Thank you, Lord. Well, God is good. I heard uh, just kind of early on in the service, soon as we, uh, well, after I came down from the stage, um, and standing right, we were singing that whatever we were singing first. Uh, but the Lord said He would send people here from from near and from far. And when they got here, they would see Him in us. And that's what we want. Hopefully we want that. We're not here to draw attention to any human being. But we are here to draw attention to Him. But I want you to listen to that now. That's a a word, but let me explain. Uh, We... That's the way the Lord wants to be seen. In other words, he, I mean, obviously the Lord could appear to us or you could have discerning of spirits and you could see Him there. But, you know, we're there or wherever. But generally speaking, the Lord wants people to see Him in you, in me. That's His preferred method of revealing Himself. Right? I mean, that's kind of obvious, I think. Sometimes we kind of want it to be outside of ourselves. Lord, put your face in the sky (laughs) and just show the world. (laughs) And, uh, yeah, I'd be pretty impressed, and I want that too. But just look through the Word, look through the way He's always worked. He wants to show Himself to everybody through someone else. Yeah? And so that's, that's really what we should expect. That, that, that would be the norm of the way that God works. His kingdom is He works in you and others see. Because you, you understand this, most of the world is pretty much fully led by sight. Most people don't haven't learned to walk by faith and not by sight. And so they need a visual. Right? They need someone to look at. And so I want to live in such a way, I want to have a relationship with God that is so real and so dynamic that it becomes usable to Him. That it becomes noticeable to someone else that there's more to me than what you see. There must be someone else in there. Are you possessed? Yes. You know, Holy Ghost possessed, and uh, everybody with me today? Yeah. And so, and so, uh, let me show you something. This will work. You have a Bible? Yeah. If you do, uh, look at Matthew twenty-eight. Matthew twenty-eight. If you accidentally go to uh, Matthew twenty-nine. You should throw that Bible away, because there isn't a Matthew 29. <laughs> it's right before the book of imaginations. Uh, Matthew 28, you might be familiar with this passage, um, where he said in Jesus talking here, verse 19, 28, 19. Go therefore and make disciples 
of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I've commanded you. And lo, I'm with you always. Uh, uh, let's see. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Amen. Notice that that directive he gave. And most of us understand that he was speaking, though, to his his immediate disciples that had been ministering and being trained by him while in his earthly ministry. We know that these commandments, these directives, extend to believers today. All right, it's not just reserved for a, a select group of people, and because they're gone, we're done. <laughs> no, this is a, a universal. Everyone in the body of Christ receives this as a directive from the Lord. We ought to for ourselves. Okay? And what's the word then to me? What's the word to you? The word is, go therefore and make disciples. We could say it this way. It could be said that all of us or most of us in some way or in some context are making disciples. But the question is, what kind of disciples are we making? In other words, if you're a parent, you're making disciples, right? What are your ki- what do kids generally, you know, and don't go to, you know, things that are different. It's a general rule. Parents, they become, or kids become like their parents. Why? Because you're discipling them their whole life. Whether you do it with the Bible or not is a, you know, is another question. I recommend it. You know, whether you train them in the ways of the Lord and teach them to do God's will is a question. Nevertheless, you are making a disciple. And we could say that all of us, or most of us, you know, I guess if someone's just a recluse and they have no contact with anyone, maybe not. uh, But to whatever degree we have influence, we are discipling people. But again, I go to this. If the Lord's will and plan and His design is to show Himself to the world through me and through you, then I need to ask these questions. If I am making disciples by how I talk to people and how I live and how I worship or how I don't and, and what I do with my time and my, and my life, then I want to know... Am I making the type of disciples that represent Father, Son, and Holy Spirit? Am I, am I by my life and by my words and by my commitments and by my time teaching them to observe to do everything He said? Or could it be that that's in theory, that's you know ideal, but in reality I'm teaching people with my life and with my actions and with how I treat people with how I spend my money, with how I conduct myself in life, uh, am I teaching people maybe the opposite of what he commanded? See, that would be of concern to me. Is the light dimmed, the brightness of his, like we prophesied earlier, the brightness of his glory inside of us? Is it being dimmed because of, you know, the way we're letting it shine through? All right, is that too heavy? Oh, this is my heavy crowd. You are the heavy crew. Look over at uh, the book of Luke, chapter 6. Luke, chapter 6. 
and uh, verse 39, Luke 6, 39. Everybody got it? Say amen when you got it. And he spoke a parable to them. Can the blind lead the blind? Will they not both fall into the ditch? So this is something that I want to be aware of. Because if I can get anyone to follow me in any capacity, whether it's in an official capacity or just my influence in their life in some way or some form, I want to make sure I'm not leading them into a ditch. Yeah. So what would be necessary for me to not lead someone else in the ditch? I must see. I must have clarity. I must have a level degree of understanding, of sight, of wisdom, of practicing all the things that he has said. And if I have that, and if I do that, I can be sure that if someone is following me around, we're not both going to end up in the ditch. Right? But sometimes we recognize the weight of our own influence. The weight, and I think we should do that. We should recognize the weight of our own words. How we conduct ourselves at, at work. How we, how people in the neighborhood see us. How people at church, usually we put our best face on at church. Yay, Jesus is good. But through all parts of life that, that we, we, we check and, and, and see if someone's following me, If they do what I do and say what I say and conduct their schedule or their time, their priorities, everything the way I do, will they be closer to the Lord or further away? If someone comes to me and says, how can I have just a a dynamic relationship with God and, and just have a close walk with Him? Could I say, well, just do what I do? Or would I say, well, here's how, just go away from me. Because if you do what I do, you're you're not going to go well. Amen. Because we're discipling people. Always. Amen. Look over at, you know this one. uh, Matthew 6. Were we just in Matthew 6? Oh, we're 28. That's right. Luke 6. Uh, Matthew 6. You know this verse pretty well. The whole chapter is good, but verse 33. Matthew 6, 33. And it's talking about how the world thinks. And then he talks about how you ought to think. What the world pursues, how they go after all this stuff. They're always worried about stuff. And he says, but you, verse 33, seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness... And all these things shall be added to you. Now, a lot of Christians couldn't quote that verse. And that's a great verse to quote. But seek first the kingdom of God. Seek first the kingdom of God. What's the kingdom of God? The kingdom of God would be, see, it's, it's the, 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 the kingdom, the king's domain. It's, that, it's what he is ruling. Right? If I seek... First, the kingdom of God. I am saying I want His reign. I am I'm wanting what He rules 
to be the most important thing in my life? Right. I'm saying I want the King's will to be done. If I'm seeking the kingdom, then I'm saying He has dominion. And I want Him to rule and reign. I want to seek that first in my life. Right? See, this is two ways of thinking. There, there is a worldly way of thinking, and then there's a godly way of thinking. Let me come back to that thought. Remind me. Uh, amen. Maybe I'll stay with that thought. <laughs> uh, let me come to do another thought first. All right. Do we recognize that in, throughout Scripture, we could show this in many places, that what comes first and what comes second and what comes third and fourth does change things. With the Lord, it's not a matter of just have it in the mix. There is something that really alters a person's life and their relationship with God when what is first is, when what's supposed to be first is first. So when we talk about, when we read this verse from Jesus, seek first the kingdom, we don't mean seek also the kingdom. He didn't mean, make sure you get the Lord in there. Make sure in all your goings and comings and your work and your life and your, you know, your travel and your vacation and your hobbies and your, your responsibilities and your school and your whatever you do in life, make sure and also have God in there. Leave a little space for the Lord. No. That is a recipe for disaster. This relationship does not work that way with a little bit of God squeezed in. You know, a little ketchup on there. Just He wants to be the hot dog. I don't think I've ever said that about the Lord before. <laughs> not the ketchup on the hot dog. He's not an additive. He's not a condiment. He's the main thing. He must be. He must be first. (laughs) Why are we talking like this? Because if we are going to represent Him to the world and make disciples, whether on purpose or on accident... He must be this in us, or we will train others to make Jesus their condiment. And I don't want to be caught relegating the Lord to that position in anyone's life and influencing them and almost acting like this is what Christianity is. Just make sure you get a little Jesus and squeeze into church a couple times a month and, and you're good. I just I just watered him down. I just put a sunglass over the light. I just messed up the whole... Because that's not his vision of this. That's a wrong kind of disciple. Now, everybody realize there are a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot of Christians. And that's the kind of Christian they are. I'm not here to... Throw anyone under the bus or condemn anyone. We just need more leadership. We need more people to show the world and the sleeping part of the church what a real Christian is, what a real relationship with God looks like, how we can be so stinking bright the devil doesn't want to be around because it hurts his eyes. 
Let's look at the next verse. What verse did we read, anyway? <laughs> you know, go back to the... Go back to that other verse. Luke. Luke 6. We read about the blind guy, right? Verse 40 is good, too. Luke 6, 40. A disciple is not above his teacher... But everyone who is perfectly trained will be like his teacher. Everybody say, I am a teacher. Now, don't think of that necessarily in the specific sense. You might not have a teaching gift. But in one very real sense like this, we're all discipling or we're all teaching people with our words, with our, with our life, whether you ever give a lesson or not in, a, in an official capacity. And, and what's a disciple? Well, a disciple is fully trained when they're like you. Wow, that's kind of powerful. That's pretty cool. Well, what do I do? Seek first the kingdom. Amen. If I am seeking first the kingdom of God, then here's, here's one way this is manifest or this is revealed. When I come into a situation, whether it's one of lack or abundance, one of a great experience or not, a a negative one, something, you know, a trial test, that kind of stuff, the question goes to this, what is my first thought? If the Lord is first in my life and not just while I'm singing or in church or something like that, if the Lord is first, His kingdom matters most to me, then He becomes my first thought, not just down the line. And this is a challenging proposal I'm making to you, and I'm not going to imply that I haven't caught myself thinking of the Lord second. And be honest with yourself and be honest with the Lord. But sometimes it's revealing. Here's what I mean. Bring it it home to whatever the situation. Uh, Pain. Pain in the body. What's your first thought? Meaning, ow! (laughs) Whatever it is. Or some kind of report of something. What's the first thought? Is it... Him, the healer. Or is it something else? A fear, a concern, a natural remedy. What is it? I want him to be my first thought. To where anything happens immediately. Well, the Lord's good, good, for, good with me for this. He can handle this. First thought. Well, I was, we were talking to a person recently, a Bible school student, but not, of course, ours. Uh, and they were, they were saying how they, uh, they broke their toe and uh, kicked it into a wall accidentally, something like that. And they broke their toe. And, and they said, and without hesitating, and, they, and they, they said, and there's nothing they can do about that, so I just wrapped it up. And I thought, I didn't say anything. I, no, no, I just, I thought, there's nothing they can do. 
Father, Son, Holy Ghost. There's nothing they can do. What they is she talking about? Now, my expectations were kind of elevated because this is, was a, is a Bible college student. You know, someone preparing to serve the Lord. And, do, and I thought, and she, without a hesitation, I broke that. And there's nothing they can do about that, so I wrapped it up. What do you mean there's nothing the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost can do about that? Oh, wait a minute. You think she was thinking of someone else? That's the thought I don't want. I don't want the Lord to be relegated to a second position. Yeah, I know, you know, I'm smart enough to know what she was talking about. She's talking about a medical procedure. All right. But I don't want that to be my thought. I thought she was a Bible school student. She didn't even mention the Lord at all in that conversation. I don't want that to be. Uh, financial hit. Refrigerator breaks, furnace breaks down, something. First thought. And especially, let's say in a situation maybe you didn't have, you know, an ability to write a check at the moment for thousands of dollars or whatever it costs. First thought, what is it? So Now, we know what the, the correct thought is, so we can do this in here, so fine. But is it, you know... Philippians 4, He supplies all my need according to His riches and glory. Is it something like that or some other uh, promise? Or is it uh, credit card, uh, borrow, uh, work extra hours? Uh, in other words, trying to solve it from a natural side. Or does our first thought go, the Lord's going to take care of us? Okay, flip it on, the, on its head. Abundance. Extra comes in. Extra sale if you're in a sales position, extra money from an unexpected source, or something happens and you get a boatload of money, what's the first thought? Okay, so here, here's the question. This sometimes reveals what's most important. Is it, now not all thoughts are bad, I'm not saying they're sinful. If your first thought is I'm going to buy drugs, then... We need to have a talk. Okay? Then we obviously know that's, that's not the right thing. But even if our first thought is boat. Nothing wrong with boats. First thought is vacation. First thought is whatever. See, what I don't want to have is the Lord be my second thought. When I seek first the kingdom, what's my first thought? It should be, in this, in this example, abundance of finances, something extra comes in. What can I do for the kingdom? My gift to the Lord comes number one. Then I can start thinking about the boat or whatever. You understand what I'm talking about? You see how, how this is a little abnormal for the whole of the human race and really many in the church. We just don't, and I don't mean every, see people are just bad people, like they're wanting to do harm with their resources. No, they just don't think God first. And so what happens, what kind of kids does that parent raise? That They raise the kind of kids that will also put the Lord second. Or third. His kingdom hopefully will squeeze in there. 
but not the way it's supposed to be. The light isn't so bright you can't look at it. Amen. I need direction. I need. I have a decision to make. Which way do I go? What do you think? What's the first thought? Huh? The first thought? Again, what's real to you? Sometimes it's Google. <laughs> I need an answer. I'm going to take a poll. <laughs> I'm going to do a, a, a Instagram, yes or no. You know, I'm going to I'm going to ask people in my life that I know. Let's see if we could have the reality of God's wisdom and guiding spirit to be so real in our lives that the first thing we say is, the Lord will guide me. The Lord will give me wisdom. Lord, I'm looking to you for answers. Looking to you for help. Praise God. Amen. Look over at, uh, can you take another verse? At Hebrews chapter 5. Hebrews, not Shebrews, but Hebrews, chapter 5. Uh, notice down here in verse 12, Hebrews five twelve. For though by this time... You ought to be teachers. You need someone to teach you again the first principles of the oracles of God. And you have come to need milk and not solid food. Notice that language. You should be teachers. Now, again, he's not referencing a calling to teach or a teaching gift here because he's talking to a whole bunch of people and not everyone has the same gift. He's making a point. You ought to be here, but you're here. You ought to know these things. You ought to be walking in them. They ought to be your manner of life. But sheesh, I can't even talk to you guys about certain things because you're still near. You're still on the bottle. Right? So, uh, that goes to us again. I mean, I don't know that I can put a timeline on it or just point you out and say, you ought to be doing this, you ought to be doing this, not without a revelation of the Lord. But if you've been a Christian for very long, if you've been a believer for very long, ought you be a teacher by now? I'm not talking again in an official capacity, but ought you be discipling? Telling other people, leading others by word, by action, by your life, what it looks like to be a real Christian. I'm saying all these things. The Lord said He would send people to us from close around and from far away. What are they going to do when they get here? They're going to watch you. They're going to watch me. They're coming and they're looking with their physical eyes. Well, I just want them to close their eyes and see me in the Spirit. They're looking to see how we act. They're looking to see what we do. They're looking to see when we get together, what happens when this crew gets together in the name of the Lord. And I'm telling you, it ought to be something amazing. It ought to be something so powerful. I mean, if the Lord is really going to send people to us, 
then we got to represent Him well. we got to show people the way He really is. And I tell you, He's an all-loving, He's an all-powerful, He's a miracle-working God, full of wisdom and might. He's not just a letter on a page. He's just not a thought or a principle. He's not, uh, he is a God who moves, who restores, who makes new. He takes the old and makes it brand new once again. I tell you, I want people to come here and experience God, have a, have a dose of heaven poured into their life, go away changed. If they're coming to stay, then come and live and play in the cloud with us. And if they're coming to go back somewhere else, come get filled up and go change the world somewhere else. But I tell you, we need a lot of people who will say, we're going to show them how it's done. Not out of pride, not out of any kind of... A wrong attitude like that but just out of I know him and I know what to do and he's first in my life so I'm just going to be who I'm called to be and let the Lord shine through me hallelujah glory to God I believe he's calling us up and I don't mean we're doing bad I think we're doing good I think I, like I said you guys are cream of the crop here you know how to connect. You know how to worship God. You know how. You're here right now. But I believe the Lord wants to use us in such powerful ways that uh, I, I tell you, it's worth every extra moment of prayer and dedication and consecration to Him, every amount of seeking His face. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Did we read this? Verse 13. For everyone who partakes only of milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness, for he is a babe. So notice that word, unskilled. In other words, what we ought to be and what the Lord needs is skilled people. People with skills. What kind of skills? Word skills. They know what he says. And now watch. The end result is not just Hearing the word in order to know, it's hearing the word in order to do. Jesus didn't say, go into all the world, making disciples, baptizing them, da-da-da-da-da, teaching them to know everything I've commanded. And sometimes we get satisfied with the knowing. Because knowledge is an important thing. I mean, spiritual knowledge, but you know, if all, that's all you have is you're puffed up. Scripture tells us that knowledge puffs up, but love edifies. Sometimes people come out of great, uh, not ours of course, but great uh, (laughs) biblical institutions can come out proud. They've learned a lot. They have filled their head with knowledge and they have a little bit of a superiority about them. Man, I sure don't want our Bible college to be that way, let alone our church as a whole. Why, we want to learn a lot. Do you know what we want? Love to motivate us. The more we learn, the more humble we get. Yeah, but skilled, not just skilled in knowing, skilled in doing. That's what's needed. Praise God. And then let's read the last verse here. But solid food belongs to those who are of full age. So this is what we seek, full age. That is, those who by reason of use have their senses exercised to discern both good and evil. This is one of those things that all of us need to know. These individuals were 
what we would call immature or children or babes. Not like good-looking people, but those people at Life Church, they are babes. But babes in the sense of babies needing milk. And one reason for that is, is what? They have not put to use these things. And so uh, they're still led by their senses. They don't walk by faith. They walk by sight. And being led by your senses is being led by the flesh, which means you're unskilled in the Word. Once the Word of righteousness gets implanted in your minds, you look at things and circumstances and you're able to say right, wrong, good, evil. Right? And there's a maturity that sets in and we know by His Word how to worship. We know by His Word how to pray, when to, when to say, when to be silent, when to act, when to move. Amen. And so uh, we, we want to uh, be developed in this. How, how many think Noah had to avoid some senses? Looking around. I haven't found a body of water yet. <laughs> or rain ever. He had to ignore what his senses were telling him in order to follow God's word. And this is what we do well. What? You've, got not, you've been given a death report? What? They said you've got three weeks to live? I'm, I'm just going to pretend that's not true. <laughs> In other words, I'm going to say I'm ignoring the, what I see or what, I, what you feel, what's coming at through the sense realm, and I'm going to say, no, this is what the Word of the Lord says. Amen. We need some people who will rise up and walk by faith. Believe in, believe God for the impossible. Trust Him for the miracle. Amen. 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 And in this, we could say, we could talk about these things a long time, but I think I've probably said enough. In this, we represent Him well. Perfect? I don't know about that. I'm still growing. I'm still learning. But I know this: He is a bright, shining light. Jesus said it this way, you are the light of the world. He said it about himself, I am the light. And then he said this to his disciples, you are the light. And I tell you, he wants to be the light in and through us. So people come here and get revitalized, re-energized, amen, stirred up, fired up. So how are they going to get that? Here's how, here's how we get re-energized revitalized, and we get stirred up. Say, well, I'm coming. I just need something myself. Good, good. That's totally fine. Come here and get stirred up. If you need to go for a run, go for a run. Amen. I would have gone for a run earlier. We had, I, had run, I had a run in me. There were too many people up here. You know, you ever had a run in you? Remember when the Spirit of God came upon Elijah and he outran the chariot? I don't know if I was going to go that fast, but... I tell you, the Spirit of the Lord was upon me. Woo! But I would have mowed over ten people. <laughs> I looked right. I looked left. I thought, how am I? Nope, nope. This is going to be a disaster if I go for this now. But there was something in me stirring me. It was, I mean, hallelujah. <laughs> I, didn't have the, I, didn't have, I didn't have the feeling to lay on the couch and pull the shade. 
I thought, no, no, no. I'm full of His life. This is the day the Lord has made. Amen. And we rejoice in that. Praise God. Father, thank You for working in us tonight.